0: morning. Um, Yeah, as has been said uh, many times today already, um, I am not the one who was supposed to be preaching this morning. So um, yeah, I got two surprise calls yesterday. Um, One good, one not so good. Uh, Steve texted me in the morning and informed me that he had an extra Cowboys ticket uh, for today and, uh, that I was invited, and that was awesome, and then I got a call a little bit later, around 9 p.m., um, and it was Luke, and he said that he had COVID, um, and I was invited to preach the sermon, uh, this Sunday, (laughs) so, um, here we are, uh, you know, I, I thought back, as soon as he asked me, I thought back to, um, I preached a few weeks ago, and, uh, I had made a snarky comment about how Luke saved the best sermon for himself. Uh, Well, careful what you ask for, because you just may get it uh, just right before you're about to give the sermon. So that's where we're at today. Um, I'm going to be honest, Luke gave me his notes to preach off of uh, and to take a look at, but it was all in Greek, and so I didn't take too much from that. That was Jonathan's joke. He told me to say it, so I did. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and we'll just uh, go ahead and dive into the sermon. Dear Lord Jesus, um, God, I need you this morning, and I pray uh, that you would just fill me with your Holy Spirit. Pray you just grant me great, great clarity and uh, just revelation and uh, conviction, and I pray that you would fill all of us to be able to receive uh, from your word uh, this morning. We know that uh, you want to speak to us You love to speak to us, and you love to draw us to yourself. And so I pray that you would do that for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you will recall, um, we've been going through the book of Genesis over the past uh, couple months. And uh, more recently, we've been looking into the life of Abraham. Um, We talked about how God had come to Abraham just this, you know, for, in our eyes, just this random This random man, and he comes and he says, I am going, you you follow me, uh, leave your home, and I am going to give you uh, everything. I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you blessing, I'm going to give you descendants. He's saying this to a man who had no kids and was already 75 years old along with his wife. Um, And we saw his faith journey as he was wrestling through that promise that God gave to him. Um, And then last week, Luke showed us uh, about how God gave him the promise. After 25 years of waiting and lots of testing, God came through and gave him the promised son uh, that he had uh, promised him to give him, Isaac. Well, uh, today we are going on in Genesis chapter 22. So if you'll open up with me there. Starting in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. I'm just going to stop there. God is a God who tests his people. Do you know that? If you go through and you look, uh, I I decided to go through and and see how many times just this word testing comes up uh, in the Bible, Um, and just to put it technically, it comes up a lot. And uh, God likes to test his people. If you go and you look, God tested his people in the wilderness. Uh, Right after he tested his people in the wilderness, they finally made it into the promised land, Uh, God says that he left some of the people of the land, the Canaanites, the people they were supposed to drive out, he left them there for the purpose to test the Israelites, to see what was in their heart, if they would actually serve him and obey his commands. And then you go on uh, and you have more testing in the Bible. Um, The Bible says, test me and know my heart. God, that's what David said. And so God is going through, and it's something that he does regularly throughout the Bible, is testing his people. And what's funny is if you go and you look and you see why is God testing his people? What is the purpose of testing his people? Almost every time it says, God tested them to see what was in their hearts. I don't know if that strikes you as odd, but it strikes me as odd uh, because we believe that God is omniscient and he knows all things. And so why would God need to put people to the test in order to know their thoughts that he supposedly already knows? Well, I think a lot of times the reason he's putting us to the test is not so much that he would know, but also so that we would know. See, there's usually a pretty big wake-up call. You don't really know that there's something wrong until you receive the test back and there's that big red F stamped on there. Or at least, I don't know how you did school, but that's how it was for me, at least. Or the wake-up call came whenever I got home. My parents saw the big red F stamped on the paper. But the point is, is that the test comes in order so that we can see what's in our hearts, so that God can show us, I believe. And so, God is testing Abraham. Now, I want to point out something, is that testing is usually uncomfortable. It's usually not an easy test. God brings the tests that are difficult for us. I had a friend uh, <clears throat> one time who, a um, good friend of mine, she's a teacher. She got out of college and uh, was able to start working a job uh, that she wanted right out of college, uh, getting a job as a teacher. And uh, not long there, I think probably it was either the first or the second year that she was there, the school came up to her and they said, hey, uh, we are going to be showing a video about transgenderism. You're going to be showing it to your kids and you're going to be explaining to them uh, why uh, it's important that you respect people's pronouns and you guys know the whole spiel and all that stuff today. And you're basically going to be telling the kids... Uh, how it's okay to just choose your gender and you can be whoever you are no matter um, what uh, body the Lord has given you at your birth. And so, obviously, uh, this friend of mine is a Christian and so she was pretty bothered by that uh, and she knew that this was the wrong thing to be doing. And so, um, I remember she just told me about it and uh, you know, we prayed for her um, whenever she told me about it and uh, she went to church and they prayed for her about it there and you know, she pretty much ended up making her mind, I am going to not do this. You know, I got this job that I love. I'm where I want to be, teaching where I want to be, love my job, but I can't do this. I can't. If it means losing my job, I will do it if it means doing what's right by the Lord. And this decision was made on, I believe, a Sunday. And she ended up going into, church, into, the, into work on Monday, on the day that they were supposed to be showing this video. And she got there and They said, you know what, we're not going to be showing the video um, after all. And I believe that was a test. I believe that was a test to see God says, hey, look, this, I've given you the thing that you want. I've given you uh, this thing that you love to do, this thing that you believe you're supposed to be doing for me. But are you going to be willing to take this thing that I gave you that you thought you were doing for me, and will you give it up if you have to? And God does this oftentimes in the Bible, testing his people to see what's in their heart, to see if they're going to obey And the funny thing about the test is usually, the thing about testing is you don't just do it for no reason. You don't test something and then, you know, whether it pass or fail, you just throw it out. You're testing things in order to find out if they can handle the purpose for which they're made. You know, a teacher, they test their kids, uh, not just for the heck of it, but they test their kids to see whether or not they're going to be able to move on to the next grade level, see if they're going to handle it. And if they can't, we hold them back teach it all again, and see if they're ready the next year. And the Lord is the same way. A lot of the times these tests come at really big moments in people's lives in the Bible and really big moments in our lives to see if the person can handle the next thing that God has for them in their life, the next thing that God has for them to do. So God tests His people. And I want to say this about testing as well. Last thing about testing, I swear uh, we're only six words into the the sermon, (laughs) into the Scripture, but I do want to say this last thing. At the risk of sounding hyper-spiritual a lot of times, if I have found out, if I have come to the revelation that the Lord is testing me, I actually get excited for that reason that I just said, because it means that the Lord is trying to see if I'm ready for the next thing He has for me in my life. Testing is a good thing because it means that the Lord is trying to prepare you for the next uh, task that He has for your life. So, if you're in the middle of a test, uh, don't despair. See it as the good thing that God has planned for you next to do. So, like I said, we're about six words into this sermon, uh, so we're going to keep on moving. Uh, let's start off and let's see this test that the Lord has for Abraham. Verse 2. I'm finishing up verse 1. It says, He said to Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Okay. Before we go any further, um, I had the temptation to just move on and go to the next point and the application and the illustration and maybe a story or something like that. But can we just stop for a second and pretend like this is the first time that we're reading this? Or even better yet, imagine... Put yourself into Abraham's shoes, and God has given you everything, everything you wanted. He promised you a son. It took him 25 years to give it to you. He's the miracle child. He's grown up now a little bit. He's, you know, the son that you love, that you're proud of. By the way, Abraham just sent away Ishmael and Hagar. So now Isaac is the last one that he has left. He's probably become his friend almost at this point, being almost a teenage boy. And then God comes up to him and says, I want you to kill him. just let that sink in for a minute and try to feel that crushing blow that Abraham probably is feeling as God's telling him, I want you to sacrifice your son. Something Gary brought up to me whenever after uh, the last Abraham sermon is that Abraham's just a guy. He's just a man like all of us. He's not some, some perfect saint, and he's also not some wretched sinner that can only do wrong things. You look at his story that we looked at a few weeks ago, and he worshiped, and he doubted, and he had faith, and he failed. All, he's, just, he's just a normal guy like all of us. And so this normal man, God is coming up to him and saying, kill your son. And this is what he's facing. Now, in, anytime somebody preaches a sermon, you have to bring up this little awkward thing about child sacrifice, okay? Uh, God hates child sacrifice. He hates human sacrifice, and he makes this clear throughout the rest of the Bible. It's the reason that the Canaanites are kicked out of the promised land for Israel, is because they practice things like child sacrifice, and under the law, uh, under penalty of death, Israel was not allowed to uh, sacrifice children. Now, however, Abraham doesn't know this, because he's coming before the law. And so, he doesn't know that God uh, is against child sacrifice in this way. So, that's just my little caveat. God is against child sacrifice, and he doesn't actually have Abraham sacrifice his child. So, it does have to be mentioned. Now, I want to go on um, real quick. Um, we're going to pick up in verse 3. It says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place I don't know about you, but that last line gives me a little bit of the chills where it says, he took his son Isaac and he placed him on the altar. I don't know um, about you, but this is something that that you see all throughout the Bible, I want to say, is that God is calling somebody to give up everything in order to be obedient to him. You see this happening all the time in Jesus's ministry. Whenever Jesus is going through every person he comes to, almost, you see him come to the rich young ruler. What does he say to him? He says, hey, what do I do in order to follow you? He says, I want you to sell everything. The parable of the treasure, the guy goes off and he finds the buried treasure, and he sells how much? He sells everything to go and dig up this buried treasure and purchase the land. Some guy says, I want to follow you, and he said, hey, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And everywhere Jesus goes, and all the people that come to Jesus, they find out that in order to follow Jesus, in order to follow God, there is a massive sacrifice, and you have to give everything. And I want, I want to ask you, nobody, nobody's exempt from this, by the way. What is God asking you to put on the altar? because we all end up there. Uh, I've followed Jesus for about 10 years probably, and speaking from personal experience, there's very few things that have not, that God has not asked me to put on the altar at one point or another. Remember, following Abraham meant losing everything. God said, follow me, leave your land, leave all of it, and come and follow me, and then I will bless you. And nothing has changed. Abraham, God asked that multiple times. This keeps coming up over and over and over again in our walk with Jesus. You don't just give up everything once. You've got to keep that altar lit and the fire burning, and there's stuff that God is always asking you to throw back on that altar. And I've got to ask you, what are you willing to put on the altar? What are you not willing to put on the altar? Because if this story shows us anything, it's that God is not afraid to ask you for the biggest thing in your life. God is not afraid to ask you for everything. Are you willing to set your dreams on the altar in order to follow God? Are you willing to set your job, your relationships, your friendships, all of your goals and everything that you, want, you thought that you wanted in life, are you willing to set that stuff on the altar? Because whenever you see Abraham setting Isaac on the altar, he's putting everything on the altar. This is, this is the promise this is what everything that he's been waiting for, everything that he's been banking on, everything that he delights in, he's putting it on the altar right now. Now, here's the interesting thing about putting stuff on the altar. Isaac was a good thing. He was the promise. He was the gift from God. It was the the thing that came from God. And I think a lot of the times that we think if we just be a Christian, especially those of us who have grown up in legalistic backgrounds, is that if we just kind of follow this list of do's and don'ts, then God will kind of just leave us alone and let us do whatever we want the rest of the time. But that's not how God works. God wants all of you, and He wants your heart. He'll even come for the good. We're not talking about—so basically what I'm saying is we're not talking about getting rid of sin here. We're not talking about putting anger on the altar. We're not talking about putting pornography on the altar or anything like that. That stuff's already supposed to be gone whenever you follow Jesus. Not saying you're supposed to be perfect, but I mean, God's already said, get rid of that. God is coming now and he's asking for the good things that he's put in your life. He's come to Abraham and he's asked for the good gift that, he, that God himself has given him. And this is a place where you come to realize you have to have a relationship with God. You can't just have this list laid out of religious do's and don'ts. We all have to be sensitive enough to God in our personal relationship with him to be able to hear his voice whenever he says, hey, this good thing that I've given you, I want you to give it up. Hey, this career that I've given you, it's time to give that up. Hey, this relationship, it's time to give this up, even if it's something good that God has given you. And that's what requires the relationship, is nobody else can tell you that for him, for you is God may think this is a good thing for you, and it might be a bad thing for somebody else, or vice versa. And this is why we have to have a close relationship with the Holy Spirit in order to be able to hear Him say when it's time to put something on the altar. And that's difficult, but it's the only way to stay in that close relationship with Him. So the big question is, why would Abraham do this? This is the biggest ask that God could ever be asking from him. And if I had to give just one answer, I'm going to give more than one, but if I had to give the first answer, it would be, we give God everything. Here's, the, here's what I love about Luke's sermon last week is his, his title, actually, his title of it was, When God Gives Everything. And I think he did such an awesome job talking about uh, when God gives everything through the story of Isaac. But the the title of the sermon that he had for us this morning was When God Asks for Everything. And the two kind of go together. And so the reason I would say, why would God ask for everything? Why would we say yes when he asks for everything? Well, we give God everything because he has first given us everything. He's entitled to it. Because everything that we have comes from him. If you go back and look at Abraham's life, everything that he had had come from the Lord. It said that the Lord blessed him and gave him many possessions, and the the Lord would bless him and he would give him land. And biggest of all, the Lord blessed him and he gave him Isaac. Everything that the Lord, everything, God was coming and asking a huge thing of Abraham, but he was asking as the one who had given all those things to him. And so when the Lord comes and asks us of whatever it is that He's asking us of, whenever He comes and He asks you for everything, the reason that we say yes is because He is the one who has given us everything in the first place. He deserves it. He's entitled to it. He's our Creator, and the Bible says that every good gift comes from Him, from the Father of lights. So Abraham is going to go, and he's going to do it because God deserves it. Keep on reading with me. Um, it's in verse uh, verse 10. It says, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now, I want to point out that the Lord did not have to provide the ram. Like we just said, he was totally entitled to this thing that he was asking from Abraham because he had given everything. And that's kind of like almost, that's almost how, you know, if you think about God, just philosophically, if there is a God who created all of us, he deserves our worship just because he created us. Don't think about whether or not he's good. Don't think about whether or not he gave his son for you or anything like that. Think about if only he created you and he's out there and he's like Zeus and he's out there and he's, you know, like these other gods like Odin or Thor or any of these people and you read about these in Norse mythology and, you know, Greek mythology and stuff like that and these are bad people. These gods are not, you know, they just kind of do whatever they want and they're kind of immoral just like normal people and they're not really that good, but they're gods, and if, God's were, if our God was like that, I would propose He's still worthy of our worship because He created us, and we just, just, we just owe it to Him whether He's good or not. But here's the thing about God is He is God, which, you know, it kind of is necessary. If you are God, you're the Creator and all that stuff like that, that it would it'd be necessary that we worship Him, but it's not necessary that He is good. He doesn't have to be good, but He chooses to be good. And so this is all the more reason for us to worship Him. And my point is this, is that God didn't have to provide the ram, but he did out of his goodness. Abraham, he should have said yes, and the reason that he said yes to God when he asked him for everything is that God, when God, God is good enough to give us everything, he's also good enough for us to give everything to him. Let me, let me try to explain that a little bit. He is good enough to provide. He's good enough for us to expect him to do good things, but he's also good enough to be trusted whenever he asks difficult things from us. Because, because of this phrase right here, the Lord will provide you see, whenever God asked us to do something, whenever He asked us to give up something big, all, all the time we're going up the mountain and we're anxious about what we are giving away. But whenever we come back down the mountain, we're always coming down saying, God will provide. You cannot outgive God. See, He will ask for everything, but there's not anything ever that He's going to ask for where you're going to go and give it, and then you're going to turn around and say, that wasn't worth it because you can't outgive him. Whenever we give even our biggest thing, the Lord turns around and he makes it worth it. He turns around and gives back even more. Because this is who he is and he's good enough to be trusted to be given everything. And that's what he did for our friend Abraham. I want to keep going just a little bit here. Um We're picking up in, um, sorry, I lost my place. So we're picking up in verse 15. After Abraham has, he was going to sacrifice his son, and the angel came and stopped him. It says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You know what's interesting about this is that God has already promised this like four or five times to Abraham. But what's interesting is this is the last time that God will say this to Abraham. And if you go back and you look, this time, he, say, he gives a reason for why he's doing this. And he says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, because you have been willing to sacrifice your son, I will do all these things for you. All these things that I said I was going to do for you, because you have obeyed me it almost makes you wonder, like, was he not going to do it unless Abraham obeyed? Was he not going to be able to inherit these promises if Abraham had not been willing to sacrifice his son? And my answer is, I don't know. But What we do see is that God comes to Abraham over and over again, and he says, I'm going to do this for you. And then Abraham will mess up. And then God comes back to him, and he says, I'm going to do this for you. And then Abraham messes up. But then he comes back to him, and he gives him the biggest test of all. And he says, I'm going to do this for you. And then Abraham believes, and he follows through in faith, and he finally believes, really believes, and does the big faith thing. And then God says, okay, because you have done this, because you have obeyed me, I am going to bless you. Abraham's finally ready now. He's finally passed the test. And God is finally going to solidify the promise that he's given him. Because he's seen that Abraham is is able to handle it. Because he's had the faith, finally, to believe. One last reason why Abraham, why we, would be willing to give up everything whenever God asks us of everything. If you guys have your Bible, um, Philippians chapter 2, you can't really talk about this sermon and not link it back to the other man a few thousand years later. There was a young, another young man carrying some wood up a mountain in obedience to his father to go be a sacrifice. Except so for this time it wasn't a test. Jesus went up the mountain and he was going to go in obedience to his father, not to be as an act of obedience, as a test showing that he'll just do it, but he's going up to be a sacrifice. What's funny is if you go back and look uh, multiple times, Abraham says, God's going to provide a lamb for this sacrifice. But when you get up to the mountain, there is no lamb, there's a ram. It's because, some people say, the Lamb was going to come later. And Jesus, as He's going up the mountain, carrying His cross, He was going to be the Lamb, the Lamb that was going to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. See, earlier I said that you can't outgive God. And I think this actually is true even for Jesus. God asked Him everything to go and give His life as a man who's never sinned, And he goes up and he is obedient to the call. He gives his life. He rises again to be the savior of the world. Look at this. It says, giving him as the example of humility, Philippians says, who Jesus, who in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. This is the greatest sacrifice. This is the one who truly gave everything. Jesus. But God, like we said, will not be outgiven. It says, Therefore, for this reason, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You cannot outgive God, even as the Son of God. Jesus went and He gave Himself on that cross. He gave up everything and God exalted Him to the highest place because of it, to where now every knee bows and every tongue confesses and worships Jesus as Lord. And this is Y'all, this, forget the other stuff. This is actually the real reason that we are able to give everything to God is because he has given everything, even himself, for us. He has shown us that in his faithfulness to us, there is nothing he won't do, even if it means dying himself. This is why we give him everything. It's because he is the God who gave his life for us. Therefore, now we worship him as the one who is exalted above every name, Jesus.